0: And the reason why the isomorphic representation is important in dementia is because it is grounded psychology, grounded cognition. And what we mean by that is that the reality that we project is reality in our brain.
1: Hi there. Welcome to this MindRamp podcast interview with gerontology professor Mario Garrett, in which we explore Mario's ideas about the psychological causes of dementia. I'm Michael C. Patterson, CEO of MindRamp Coaching and Consulting. This is one of three podcasts featuring Professor Garrett. The second podcast explores Garrett's thoughts about the nature of dementia and how the causes of the Alzheimer's syndrome have been misunderstood. The third podcast centers around Garrett's emphasis on care versus cure, the belief that we need to focus more on the care of people with dementia and less on the, well seemingly futile, search to find a cure. In this part of my interview with Mario Garrett, we explore the idea of the social pathology of dementia. In short, Garrett's idea suggests that psychological factors, how we think about the world, how we think about ourselves, can initiate a process that leads to dementia. Garrett's term isomorphic representations plays an important role in this process. Isomorphic means similar in shape or form. So an isomorphic representation is a symbolic image that we have in our mind that corresponds to an external reality. In essence, Dr. Garrett is arguing that as we experience normal aging, we begin to interpret the slowing down and the deficits as signs of impending dementia we will form an isomorphic representation of ourselves as a person burdened with dementia or Alzheimer's. This inaccurate representation will be strengthened when family, friends, and medical professionals reinforce the idea and begin treating us as though we are suffering from dementia. This negative representation of ourselves will cause us to behave as though we are sick and vulnerable, and we will withdraw from the type of activities that would contribute to our health and to our well being. The isomorphic representation of ourself as a dementia sufferer acts like a nocebo, a negative placebo. It becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. We believe we are sick and demented. And gradually, we will become sick. Let's walk through some of these points with Dr. Garrett, starting with that basic concept of what is an isomorphic representation? I want to go back and explore your concept of isomorphic representations, because i I think that's really key to your, your thinking. And it may not be a phrase that everybody understands immediately.
0: If I see a table, that table does not just reside in reality. It also resides in my head, how it is uh, represented, neurally. That's where the isomorphic part comes in. How important that model of the world we have that we generate throughout our life. And that isomorphic, meaning that it's representing the world. It's part of us.
1: I think first you have to get to the idea that our senses are not taking photographs of reality. Our brain is is getting little bits of data, little bits of photons, and little bits of air pressure, and it turns it into a representation of something that is close enough to what's out there that we can function. Is that is that what you mean by an isomorphic representation?
0: Perfect. It's yeah. a perfect way. And the reason why the isomorphic representation is important in dementia is because it is grounded psychology, it's grounded cognition. And what we mean by that is that the reality that we project is reality in our brain. It's how our brain functions in a way. The representation is important once we realize it's subconscious. And it determines a lot of activity, not just dementia, also longevity, also how my body behaves to infection, for example. So so the isomorphic, as you rightly pointed out, is the crux for the theory that the psychology can initiate. There's a lot of evidence here that the psychology can determine uh, the behavior and also can determine the neuropathology.
1: Now, are you saying within that example where the nocebo effect, which is the opposite of placebo, that what we believe can cause negative things to happen to us, that that can actually cause dementia without biological deterioration of the brain? Or are you saying that it can take trauma that's happened to the brain and amplify it and push it over the edge to dementia?
0: It can create, it can initiate. You know, in my book, I talk about initiating, moderating, and mediating. And all those processes are in action here, and it can initiate. And one evidence for this is there are people that have dementia that do not have plaques and tangles. You know, David Snowden has identified 8% of his sample. He said that they do not have enough neuropathology and this is what people do not understand, and it comes back to heteroscedasticity that you mentioned before, is that the older you become, the less that correlation is between the plaques entangles and dementia. Less. So it's unlikely, in older adults, it's unlikely to predict dementia just with the neuropathology that you're looking at. So there has to be something else. Right. And that's something else, I'm arguing, An important aspect is psychology. Why no one has done this? And why is there so much resistance for this? (laughs) Even though we have the evidence, I was surprised how much evidence exists to argue that psychology is an important initiator of dementia without the neuropathology, that it's an important moderator of the experience and it mediates it in some cases as well. It could be, for example, that you have the neuropathology, that you have some trauma, but uh, the psychology then says, yes, I have dementia. And then you acquiesce to Mm -hmm. that role that you have assigned yourself to. So there are three processes here and psychology can impinge all of these, can create all of these. Initiate, it's a way of initiating dementia by itself. It's a way of moderating that you can have, you know, the neuropathology and it exacerbates it or perhaps it alleviates it, but it can moderate it. And the third one is mediate. It can be a bit like a switch that the psychology can really flip a switch that you do have dementia or on the positive side, it can retard, you can fight against it. And what I found with dementia, which was a surprise for me, is that I found what that switch was. And that switch is novelty. And I did not expect this.
1: So according to Professor Garrett, the psychological switch that can initiate the onset of dementia is novelty, or more accurately, the absence of novelty and the absence of challenge and change. As he explains in his paper, The Social Pathology of Dementia, there is a tendency as we age for some of us to become more introspective, more inflexible in our thinking, and more reliant on established isomorphic representations, on habits, routines, and mindsets that have served us well in the past. But people who rely too heavily on fixed isomorphic representations are prone to be less curious and less open to change. Learning is reduced, and we stop exercising and challenging our brain. As we reduce curiosity and learning, we stop using our memory as it was evolved to be used, and it begins to atrophy. The implication is that the memory loss is caused as much by how we use our mind as with physical or biological damage to our brains. Let's pick up the interview where Mario talks about the nature of memory.
0: We got memory wrong. Why do we have memory? What is it for? And it is for me to learn about the environment that I find myself in, learning.
1: And yeah. presumably to adapt to the environment, to adapt successfully to the environment. Perfect. And that's it.
0: Yeah. That's what memory is for. So when you look at that, go back again. Why, are, why do we have memory? Memory is to adapt. And we adapt by learning. And there, there's an epiphany here. So that is why memory is impacted, because we stop learning. And we stop learning because we are not interested in novelty anymore. And I thought, how do we define novelty? We define novelty by our representation of the world. Yeah? For example, if you showed up wearing pink makeup or purple makeup with a red nose, I think, wow, I did not expect that. <laughs> that is novelty. Because in my isomorphic representation, I already had an image of who you are, how you would talk, what the discussion would lead to. That is how we function. Yeah, We function by developing this model. And if the model is not. we're not predicting correctly, then that's novelty. And I focus on it. Why is it different from what I expected? And that's how we learn. We don't learn by doing things uh, as we have done in the past. We learn by doing uh, novel things, by fi- finding novel issues and addressing them. So my, the switch I found is that people with dementia, people that uh, initiate dementia, are no longer interested in that novelty. And the evidence, again, is there for us to see.
1: Professor Garrett argues that we often mistake the slowing down of normal aging as signs of dementia. If we believe we are sick, we can talk ourselves into becoming sick. So what is normal aging? With normal aging,
0: what we get is we get diminished processing. I I have problems sometimes figuring out a problem. It takes me a number of minutes, sometimes an hour. Sometimes, as I said, you know, I cannot remember a name. I know it will come. It's slow. I cannot do mathematics anymore. I cannot do algebra anymore. Mm. It takes me forever. (laughs) Do I have dementia? Heck no. What I have is just a slowing of my cognition and maybe certain concepts, certain processes are not as efficient. This is normal aging. We can make people behave this way. There is examples of 58 year old woman who was told by her neurologist that she has dementia and she believes him. And this this criminal case against this neurologist and the hospital, this neurologist was just crazy. In a way, he he did it with 12 other patients. He just told them that they have dementia for whatever reason. Uh, But this woman believed him. And even though there were a group of neuropathologists, neurologists that went back and they did an evaluation and they said, you have nothing wrong with you, she believed him. And she started to behave as though she has dementia. My philosophy is it's old age. You're going to die. We are designed to die. You are designed to slow down. I run. I'm not as fast a runner as I used to be. I used to run marathons. I don't do that anymore. It doesn't mean that I am handicapped. I'm disabled. It doesn't mean that. It means that I'm slowing down, again, with the cognition. Saying that you have dementia is a big step. That's a big, big title, big uh, label. So you have to be very careful with that. Old age is very different from dementia. Dementia is when it's like a switch, there's a tipping point, and then it becomes very fast. The diminishment is increased, it speeds up. And that isomorphic representation allows us to make that switch. You know, once you accept that label, then you validate it. You say, ah, yes, I've been having this problem for a long time. And people have been telling me that I have problems with my memory. Therefore, it validates that I have dementia. And then you stop doing things. You stop going out. You start censoring yourself with ideas. And that, of course, what it does is you become afraid of novelty. I say to people, Well, go and visit that place. Oh, well, you know, I've I've got a dodgy knee or my hips are not as good. And they become frightened. The same kind of self-criticism and self-censorship that we have with our mind, that starts then the moderating and mediating factor of psychology when we're afraid of novelty. And that's why the isomorphic idea is important because this shows that our brain not only takes information from the world and recreates the world, but also it's permeable to others. And that's where then the idea that the psychology of dementia is so important because the brain relies on others. It is permeable. We, think, we feel sovereign, my idea, but we know that's not true. I can, for example, instill an idea in you, and you think that that idea is yours. And the reason is because your brain is permeable to others. We are attentive to what what others are doing. We need constant validation.
1: Now, Now, you're not talking about something magical going on. You're talking about the psychological effect of being social beings and being with others. Exactly.
0: Yeah, but it has it has repercussions more than feeling you know warm and fuzzy. It's if I'm giving a thing and the person I love is next to me, person that cares for me is next to me, first of all I don't feel that thing as acute, mm. as if that person wasn't there. But more importantly, it heals faster if the person I love is with me. Why? It shows that. Not just I understand, I empathize with that person, or that person empathizes with me, but even the body seems to know it. How interesting is
1: that? Yeah? How interesting is that? Well, whether you agree with all of Professor Garrett's ideas or not, I think you will agree that they are provocative and interesting. I do agree with Mario that our mental attitudes, our belief systems, our mindsets, our isomorphic representations, as he would say, can have a profound effect on our health and well-being. So in addition to training you to keep your body and mind healthy and in good working condition, MindRamp also coaches you to manage your mind by replacing negative and false narratives with accurate representations that are more positive. Well, with that, let me thank you for listening and please contact us if you want to learn more about how we go about promoting qual longevity, living long and living well.